0: You know that one, right? Amen, amen, amen. So I'm going to tell you a story from Acts chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. Normally what I do is I start out by telling you what the point of my story is going to be and how I'm going to structure my points afterwards. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm just going to tell you the story. And then I'm going to tell you where we're going. So, Acts chapter 14, here's the story. Paul, who just became known as Paul, remember this from last time? His name was Saul. He shared the gospel with a Roman leader. He becomes Paul. He's known as Paul after that point. Paul decides to fully throw off all of the racial, ethnic confines of his message, he says, I'm not just going to go to the Jews anymore, I'm going to go to anyone who wants to hear. So, Paul and Barnabas head to the city of Iconium, which is still a city name that I struggle with. They head to Iconium, and they immediately find a synagogue, and they preach the good news about Jesus. crazy thing happens. There's a whole bunch of Jews and a whole bunch of Gentiles that believe the message and accept the message. And so they say, hey, there's a receptive audience. Uh, Maybe we don't need to shake the dust off our feet. And so they continue preaching. In fact, the story tells us in Acts 14 that they continued preaching for some time. Well, as is predictable at this point, there's some Jews that did not like what they were doing. Some some religious Jews who incited the Gentile community against Paul and Barnabas. They actually uh, went around spreading rumors and encouraging people to be violent against Paul and Barnabas because they didn't like them. And it says that a lot of the local people took sides in this, uh, in this uh, sort of animosity or this aggression. Some of them sided with the Jews. Some of them sided with the apostles. And eventually, the intensity of the aggression got so high that, that there was a riot breaking out. This is all very unfamiliar territory, right? We don't see anything like this happening today. A riot starts to break out, and they're about to stone the apostles. So Paul and Barnabas said, we got to get out of here. So they left town. It says that they preached in neighboring towns as they went along, but one of the towns that they landed in was a town named Lystra, and he encountered in Lystra a man who was lame from birth. Meaning he was born without the ability to walk. And it says that Paul had a sense that God wanted to heal this man. So he said with a loud voice, he reached out his hand, he said, stand up, right on your feet. And the man leapt up onto his feet and began to walk. And when the man was healed, the people were so amazed that they fell down on their knees and they started worshiping Paul and Barnabas. In fact, it says that they believed that Barnabas was Zeus, which is the main Greek god that they worshiped, and they believed that Paul was Hermes, uh, the mouthpiece of Zeus, In fact, it says that right outside of town, there was a little temple uh, for Zeus, overseen by a priest, and when the priest heard that Zeus was in town, the priest thought to himself, hey, I should go check this out. And so the priest brought oxen, he brought a couple cows, and he brought a bunch of flowers to worship Zeus, Here, he's had this temple all of this time. He's been planning sacrifices. Uh, He's been doing worship and has never met Zeus in person. And now he has an opportunity to meet him in person. So they planned to worship these two men. And Paul and Barnabas adamantly opposed this plan. In fact, it says that they ripped their clothing. This was before they had zippers. They ripped their clothing... Uh, in anguish, and it says that Paul and Barnabas stopped them. They said, no, 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 you, don't, you need to understand something. We are men. We are not gods. We are men no different than you are, and we actually oppose worshiping anyone other than God. We preach the living God. And then here is really the centerpiece and the paradox of this whole story. In two verses, one of the greatest title changes in all of Scripture, Acts 14, verse 18, and even after saying these things, even after pleading with them, it says, "...with difficulty they restrain the crowds from offering sacrifices to them." with difficulty, with much effort, they talked him out of. Please, don't treat us like gods, don't worship us, don't make sacrifices to us. And in the very next verse it says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, meaning the Jews had followed them from other cities, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. (laughs) So, in a matter of two verses, because of their testimony, they had to fend off being worshipped, and then a verse later, they were actually stoned to death, and says that Paul was actually physically drugged out of the city because they thought he was dead. And here's the comedic moment of the story. This is my favorite part. Acts 14, 20. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. (laughs) I'm just trying to visualize these scenes. So there's Paul, he's just been stoned to death, right? And they think he's dead, and it says the disciples are standing around him. Does it look dead to you? It looks dead to me. And then Paul stands up, walks back into the city. (laughs) The story goes on and says... They continued preaching the gospel to that city, and they made many more disciples. And then they went back to the other cities they had visited. They strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And they told them, you need to understand something. It's through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. You need to understand something. It's going to be challenging. And when they had appointed elders for them in each of these locations— They prayed, they fasted, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And that's the end of our story. Have you guys uh, ever lived in a time, probably not recently, where you felt like the air itself had become combustible? Does that analogy work? Flammable, right? Right? I want to offer you just three quick observations. For living and responding in a time where it seems like things are uh, volatile, consequential, where the consequence of actions and words seems to be greatly heightened. To where it could be possible that within the, the span of two verses, people could be worshiping the words coming out of your mouth and then kill you in the streets. So here's three instructions. The first one is this. When you are worshiped and adored, point to Jesus. Jesus. When everyone likes you and likes what you're saying and likes what you're doing and agrees with what you're doing, appreciates what you're doing, when everyone values your input and your contribution, take that opportunity to point to Jesus. Paul says, men, why are you doing these things? We're men like you, and we're here to preach the gospel. Our purpose is to direct you to Jesus and the good news about him. I mean, come on, I'm a little flattered that you guys like me so much. Galatians 6.14, may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world was crucified to me. Paul says, my only, my, my platform for boasting is Jesus and his cross, Jesus crucified. I don't mean that you should say things that are not true when people appreciate you. You guys have, you've heard this, someone says, you know, that was really great what you did, that was really valuable. And we respond with, oh, you know, it's nothing, it's, I had nothing to do with it. No, that's not true. You did, you listened to Jesus, you partnered with Jesus, agreed with Jesus and decided to do what he was doing, Right? When you are worshipped and adored, point to Jesus. Number two, when you are killed in the street, point to Jesus. When everyone likes what you're doing, take that opportunity to point to Jesus. And when, when, when everyone or some despise what you're doing or what you're saying, take that opportunity to point to Jesus. And having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. You understand, this is the same crowd that was just talked out of worshiping them. These other people show up and say, hey, you guys know, these are evil dudes. You should not like them. In fact, here's an idea. Let's kill them. And that same group of people is is moved to uh, turn the tables on them, which I think is a little bit of, like, great irony for the Apostle Paul, right? Remember, he's the homicidal maniac, and so Apostle Paul. Paul is on the ground, having rocks thrown at him, thinking to himself, oh, this is what it feels like, right? Because he was on the other side of those rocks for a long time. Second Corinthians 4.11, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in us. We even when we're delivered to death, even when walking in obedience, uh, people are are harsh, treat us harshly. People are violent towards us. Even in those moments, it's an opportunity for the life of Jesus to be revealed in us, in how we act, what we say, and what we do. When you are killed in the streets, point to Jesus. I've had in my lifetime three murder threats directed at me personally. Anyone else had murder threats? You have? Yeah? That's a whole other story. I've had three different times where someone said to me, I'm going to kill you. One of them was in a subway. One of them was at a subway station, and one of them was at a Bible school. So kids, you should go to Bible school. (laughs) Actually, the one at Bible school is my roommate. When your roommate says he's gonna murder you, it might be time to, you know, change things up a little bit, come up with a, a new plan. But I can say this, that in each of those instances, it was because I stepped in to intervene when something that was wrong was happening. When you point to Jesus, when you partner with Jesus, and when you make conscious decisions in your own life to be the hands and feet of Jesus... It's not impossible that you two will be adored and murdered within two verses of each other. When 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 you stand for what matters to him, it's at least likely that you will be simultaneously derided and appreciated, right? When you're worshipped and adored, take the opportunity to point to Jesus. When you're killed in the street, take the opportunity to point to Jesus. And number three, when you have a message to share, make the message about Jesus. Point to him. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. This is Paul speaking again. He says, when I came to you, brethren, so he's talking to them as his family, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom. I came proclaiming the testimony of God. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It says, when I I came to share with you, to share my life with you, I did not come trying to sound like I knew everything, trying to impress you with my intelligence, trying to prove how smart it was. No. No. I came to you knowing this, Jesus and his cross. That was my message. What an amazing time to be alive, right? We went from one set of events that everyone on the planet disagreed about another set of events that everyone on the planet disagrees about and I would say this uh, tucked away way far away in Homer Alaska don't live in fear of the outcome of standing with Jesus, being his hands and feet, partnering with him, it might go really great and it might get really ugly. Don't live in fear of saying the wrong thing or not getting exactly the right thing. If you want to live without regret in the midst of, of uh, chaos chaos, in the midst of of animosity, in the midst of strife, in the midst of confusion. If you want to live without regret, point to Jesus in what you do. Partner with him. Let the love of Jesus control you in everything that you do. If the topic is a worldwide pandemic, point to Jesus. Point people to Jesus in that. If the topic is racism in our country, point to Jesus in that. If the topic is violence, point people through your words and through your deeds, whether it gains you friends or gains you enemies, point to Jesus. Why is Paul so narrow in his message? Because he knows that this is the only hope, right? We can be against so many things and we can say and do so many things. But the only hope for our world is the established rule of Jesus, right? So stake a claim with boldness, regardless of the cost, in preparation for the return of the eternal king. Let's pray together. Drew, I'll go ahead and invite you up. God, we live uh, in a time where we see uh, we see evil plainly, we see goodness plainly um, on many different fronts. we see the battle of light versus dark playing out in our time, in our place. Uh, and God, we pray, our prayer collectively, is that your kingdom would come, that your kingdom would be established here in our community, in our state, in our country, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that we, as we partner with the establishment of your kingdom, that we would be motivated by the love of Christ, by the hope that is found in Christ, that we would never lose sight of our need for you. And the profound uh, healing hope and life that is available because of your cross. I know from my own experience that it's a complicated thing to live this out. But God, would you give us grace in that? Give us wisdom in that. Give us discernment. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys want to stand?